0: I'm Alex. And I'm Steph. And this is Not Today.
1: Happy birthday episode. Happy birth to me. Yes. Yay. (laughs) Happy. Uh, The day this comes out will be your birthday. Woohoo. Yep. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> i sounded i sounded really not excited yeah about that. No. i know are you
0: not excited for my birthday the one time a year
1: that we celebrate that we, you
0: that i was birthed right so
1: <laughs> no i i'm happy you know happy birthday
0: <laughs> i don't know why it sounded weird it's fine that's all right it's fine yeah i'm not mad
1: good that's great how you doing
0: yes i'm doing good um i took off work so i'm very zen much more relaxed than usual i guess and i just ran so i have
1: adrenaline pumping through those veins no more
0: just like uh
1: oh the different the opposite yeah okay
0: it's kind of like if you jumped into cold water and then you got out but it was only like 60 degrees outside but you were like thank the lord jesus that it isn't as cold as the water it's how i would describe the feeling after running that
1: sounds terrible
0: no but it feels good
1: well that's like
0: the running is not pleasant
1: i think we have different definitions of what feels good but that's fine uh, right I, I love that for you <laughs> um actually that's a pretty a pretty good segue into our story um, no way this this week yeah we're talking about dan uh danelle Balangi. uh did you get that right i did i believe um and she was a runner and wow that is a lot wow, great to, has a lot to do she with she probably
0: her. ran way farther than I did <laughs> oh
1: way farther yeah she's she's very uh, experienced um, but yeah so I wanted to start by saying that I got my sources from um, the documentary series in an instant which is you know like I survived and all those other ones um, and also an article from runnersworld.com mm. so there you go. So, Danelle was, a, or is, an incredibly motivated person. She's, like, very athletic, super, you know, that type of person. Mm. Um, she played sports all throughout school. And um, in junior high, her dad was actually her coach for basketball and volleyball, I believe. Um which I was like, hey, me too, girlfriend. My dad was my yeah, coach. there you basketball. go. But anyway, no, that doesn't really make a difference. But So her father believed that she could have been a really good volleyball player when she was young, but she was too short. She was like 5'2 or something. Hmm. Um, and so he suggested that she try cross-country running. And she said that she really enjoyed cross-country running, like immediately she really enjoyed the cultural aspect of racing. And it didn't matter if you were tall or short or thin or fat. It just mattered how fast you were. So it was just you know she loved that and she was a very strong-willed, motivated person. She enjoyed the mental and physical aspects of running, which I feel like I cannot relate. But good for Danelle, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> you know. And she actually got into um, adventure racing in college, which adventure racing involves a bunch of different things. It involves running and mountain biking and kayaking and climb, uh, rock climbing. It's kind of like marathons, but like on crack. Oh, right. So like crazy.
0: So so it's kind of like a triathlon, but like they throw some rock climbing and kayaking in
1: there. I guess so. Yeah. Just
0: like a bunch of different ways to travel distance. Yeah. And
1: (laughs) oftentimes these races are multiple days or even one to two weeks, like nonstop.
0: Holy shit.
1: So they're, they're pretty intense.
0: Wait. So for the multiple weeks one, do they sleep? They sleep, but I mean, not much, I guess. I don't know well that's interesting actually it's like should you get six or seven
1: yeah yeah gotta have a head start early bird gets the worm you know it's also really not a spectator sport a lot of these races are super far like into the wilderness and so as a viewer you don't really see a lot of what's going on and also it's very dangerous because they're going through like intense terrain and like crazy wilderness and stuff like that so
0: like by themselves yes right
1: i mean they're a lot sometimes they have teams i believe but it's Mm. you know it's a race still so you're kind of on your own um but you know these big organized races have like you know tents set up so that they have water and first aid and whatever and there's a lot of people doing it so she's not by herself when she's racing is what i'm saying but um so yeah it, it takes a really specific type of person to do these adventure races. Absolutely. Yeah, you got to be super motivated, super athletic and very smart also because it's just like, it's a lot of stuff going on at once. And so Danelle was living in the mountains of Colorado at the time. She had traveled to Moab, Utah in the spring where the climate was a little nicer and drier. um, And there was really awesome running trails, biking trails, a river for kayaking. And so she bought a house there. And she lived there with her dog, Taz. And Taz was a three-year-old, reddish-brown mutt with a long jaw and a broad chest, just to get a little <laughs> a little visual a of dog. what Taz looked like. Yes. Yeah, He's super cute. Love Taz. Mm-hmm. And so she said from the very beginning, she and Taz had always had a really strong connection. Um, from the moment she actually saw him at the puppy rescue, she knew that he was her dog. Um, so she named him Taz because he fit with the character of the Tasmanian devil. She said,
0: no way. (laughs) Um, yeah, she
1: said that he was super hyper as a puppy and would just kind of spin in circles. So we love Taz is what I'm saying. We love Taz. Um, and so on Wednesday, December 13th, 2006, she had just returned home from an adventure race she was doing in Mexico and she had participated in hundreds of adventure races at this point and had a lot of success She had won the Pikes Peak Marathon four times. She had raced up all 54 of Colorado's 14,000-foot peaks in less than 15 days, faster than any woman in history. She had competed in 441 endurance events, which were races that took from an hour to 10 days to finish uh, since 1995 and finished in the top three in 390 of them. Three times she was part of a four-person team that won One of the most punishing endurance events in the world, the Primal Quest, which is a 400 mile trek over land and water, mountain and desert terrain. And she had earned six U.S. Athlete of the Year titles in four different endurance sports.
0: Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I I thought you were done about three sentences ago. You really would think so. Holy shit. Yeah. She does not stop. No, she doesn't know how to stop.
1: No, she's incredible. She has no quit. Yeah,
0: I don't know. Is that that sounds like rivaling someone like I don't know Michael Phelps, who's, like who's won so many gold medals? Like she's just done it all.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, she's like. Incredible. Why do we not know about her? I I mean I guess well I I think like the uh, adventure race world yeah, is pretty know small. Her,
0: but why isn't she famous? Like I that's don't know. Fucking insane. Yeah, she placed top three mm-hmm. in 390 of her what for over 400 races yeah that's wild
1: 441 endurance events total and in 390 of them she had placed in the top three wow yeah
0: yeah that's she's so, superhuman she's hardcore really?
1: she's really hardcore yeah and so at this point she was competing at a professional level meaning she was sponsored to do these races so this was her job she was very much like you know a race influencer Good. if you Please. will yeah could
0: you imagine like somebody like with this much talent and grit and, like working in an office job no. part-time oh to support God, yourself no. yeah that'd be bullshit
1: yeah, no, she would not be able to... Or I'm not saying she wouldn't be able to do that, but I feel like that type of person wouldn't do well in that kind of environment. You know what I mean? I feel like
0: she wouldn't accept that as her situation. Yeah,
1: that's what I mean. Yeah. I'm sure she could do whatever she wanted to, clearly. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, is like that doesn't sound as nearly as exciting as she needs. Yeah. But so, yeah, so she was racing nearly every weekend. And so we're going to talk about one specific time that she was racing just to like kind of show you how hardcore she was. Like obviously all of those things are very hardcore, but here's like one little story. So John Marshall, who is a Grand County rescuer, who's actually a part of her rescue team later on, believe it or not, this is a survival podcast and something terrible does happen to her. So anyway, so John John Marshall, who was a part of her rescue team later, had met her prior to this crazy event that we're going to talk about. And when he met her, she was doing a race through the desert and she made it to the checkpoint that he was stationed at. So he was like one of the little tent people handing out water, like offering first aid kind of thing. And he said that the temperature had been 105 degrees that day and she was without water for the past four hours. Her feet were uh, more blistered than flesh. So... She sat down for a moment and took off her shoe to reveal her whole section of her foot where the skin was completely rubbed away. Running in the desert is especially hard because the temperature can get up to 113 degrees Fahrenheit, which means the sand can get up to 160 to 170 degrees. And I I meant to look that up for Celsius because, uh, you know, for the people who don't use Fahrenheit, but it's hot is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. (laughs) It's really fucking hot. (laughs) And so uh, their sneakers will heat up and fill with hot sand, okay? So this really hot sand will get into their sneakers. And uh, that's really abrasive, obviously, for these runners. Uh, And they're going for hours and hours with this in their shoes. So she's at this checkpoint, and she hadn't had any water because she had run so fast that she actually missed the first water checkpoint because it hadn't been set up yet because she was running so fast. So... (laughs) Guys. Yeah. Yeah.
0: How do you not set up before one of your participants (laughs) comes to you? Yeah, right. You had one job. You have one job. You set up a tent. You fill cups with water. This is it.
1: Right. So, uh, yeah. So she's now at the second checkpoint for water, but she hasn't had any water at all from the time she started. So she sits down for a moment and asks for duct tape and completely duct tapes her foot. Okay. Because she's like... (laughs) she's not she's not backing down and so the man at the checkpoint is like you need fluid let me hook you up to an iv which was fine in the race but it just gave you an hour penalty because you know they needed to give them some sort of like they needed they need them to be safe but it was like a little bit of a penalty you know what i mean Hmm. um but she said no and she just asked for three waters and a gatorade and then got on her bike and started going again (laughs) so (laughs)
0: he's like this is kind of your fault Anyway, yeah. checkpoint people, <laughs> right? No IVs,
1: no IVs, just three, three water bottles and a Gatorade. Let me go on my way. Okay. But like,
0: why would you penalize them for having an IV? Like,
1: I think because don't people
0: like, sorry, oh, no, you're I'm going to finish my point. Yeah, yeah, go but ahead. like, if people are that intense, couldn't they just be like, no, I don't want to take the penalty. Like no matter how I'm feeling. And then they like, they might actually do some permanent damage to themselves just yeah. cuz they don't want to take a penalty.
1: Definitely. Yeah. But I mean, I think the like the hydration that you get from an IV is like much better than if you just drink a water bottle, so it probably gave them some sort of edge if they got an IV. True. So it's going to give them they had to give them some sort of penalty, you know?
0: Right, but I don't know. I'm just thinking like I wonder if people have actually like died or gotten seriously hurt.
1: I'm sure they have. Like, I don't know, but you know, she, she, she was fine. She had three waters and a Gatorade and some duct taped feet and (laughs) one on her bike to go away. Yeah. No problem for her. (laughs) Yeah. So she, she meant business. So we're going to go back to the day, what day? Wednesday, December 13th, 2006. She's at her home in Moab, Utah. Okay. So, uh, that day she had a lot of stuff to take care of, but she planned on doing a mellow run of eight to 10 miles that morning. Mellow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, that's not mellow, but for her, I understand it is. So she spent the early part of the morning emailing with sponsors, writing articles, answering questions from clients who had hired her as a personal trainer. And by 10 a.m., she loaded up Taz in her white Ford Ranger truck, stopped at Burger King for a chicken sandwich and fries and a large coffee because she'd forgotten breakfast and headed to the um, Amasa, a mesa back trailhead.
0: That's so funny to me that she got Burger King.
1: I know. I also thought that was funny. <laughs> but I mean, what? she
0: burns so many calories a day. It, doesn't, it probably doesn't matter oh, it what doesn't she matter really eats.
1: Yeah, she goes, you got to eat a chicken sandwich, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it was a really good day for a run. It was a little cloudy, but not too cold. And she listened to Beautiful Day by U2. There was a, there's a main parking lot for the trailhead, but she decided to park on this other tiny little parking lot by the trail that can really only fit two or three cars. And since it was the middle of December, there was nobody there. So she was the only one in this small parking lot. Um, So she put on a pair of cheap orange sunglasses, grabbed her MP3 player and a large plastic bottle filled with water, a raspberry flavored energy gel. And she, uh, you know, went on her way. You know, she was wearing running pants, silk long underwear, a shirt, a light like running shirt and a thin fleece jacket. The temperature was in the 40s that day, but she wanted to be prepared. So she's like, she's ready. She's ready. And just before she locked her wallet and her cell phone in her car, she had spotted a fanny pack that was in her back or in her trunk of her car. And she had forgotten it was there, but she grabbed it anyway and stuck her water bottle in it and took off with Taz. And Taz was a little bit like her personal trainer. If she took too long to start on her run, Taz would start barking at her and because he loved running too. So the two of them would just go on these runs, these epic runs together.
0: Right. And I'd imagine if he's as crazy as she described, like he needs to be run. Oh like, yeah. Ran every day. Yeah. So yeah, that's a great motivator for yeah, sure. For sure.
1: Yeah. So Moab, um, is known for its unique canyons and oddly shaped rocks. It's a really beautiful place, but there there's arches and huge Canyon walls. It's very unique. And like I said, beautiful. And she said, this place lets you realize how massive and beautiful the earth really is. And she hadn't done this route a lot of times, but Uh, It was going to be a casual run through some beautiful terrain so she was pretty hype. She was able to make about an 8 to 10 mile loop by running on one trail and then connecting it to another trail to make like one gigantic loop. And so about an hour in she had covered 5 miles of this run um, and she had had about half of her water bottle at that point. And so to connect these two trails together she had to run through a canyon and then up a slick rock section. And it's literally called Slick Rock because it's the type of rock that's in Moab. But you have to hike up these Slick Rocks and across a shelf to another trail to make the loop. And it's pretty steep. Um, and I mean, this is not forgiving terrain by any means. It's really intense. So Taz was a little bit ahead of her and she was just cruising along this, you know, connecting Slick Rocks shelf and she lost her footing and slipped. She couldn't see it at the time, but there was a very thin layer of ice on this rock And so she started sliding down the side of this really steep shelf rock. And she tried to grab onto something, but she's falling really, really fast. And this sliding soon turned into a free fall. So according to a newspaper account published a week after the accident, she flew off of the cliff and plummeted the equivalent of two stories.
0: Ooh, Not good.
1: Not good. Not good. So... This falling only lasted a few seconds, but she said it felt like a really long time. And as this was happening, she's thinking to herself, okay, I have to land this fall. But then she had a brief thought, am I going to die? You know, like it's, it's really bad. So that's when she hit the ground and really, really hardly. Um, hardly? She hit it really hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? She hit the ground hard. Yeah, she did. Um, <laughs> so Taz is still on top of this rock And he starts barking from above, but he's so high up and the rock was so like steep and whatever that she couldn't even see him anymore. And she was still in a bit of shock from this fall and thought to herself, wow, this is going to be a really long walk out of this canyon. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. And then she tried to get up. And as she tries to move, she screams out in excruciating pain. At first, she thought that she was paralyzed because she hit the ground so hard, but she touched both of her legs and felt it. So she was like, okay, I'm not paralyzed. So she tried to stand up again, but she couldn't move. So now she realized that she's done some really major damage. She didn't know this at the time, but Danelle had completely shattered her pelvis.
0: Oh, no, no, no.
1: Yeah, no, indeed. So then... (laughs) then she starts worrying about Taz because he was really high up and she didn't want him to fall and she didn't know if he could get to her. But Taz did make it down the side of the rock and she saw him come around the corner toward her, which was super relieving to her to see him because now she knew that he was okay. And it also meant that there must have been a way out because Taz had made it down to where she was. So she's face down and she's pulling her body along this rock because she's like trying to do anything. She's trying to like get herself out and she realizes that she's literally going to have to drag herself out of this canyon. So she was only moving an inch at a time and it was extremely painful and slow. But in her mind, she was at least making a little bit of progress. She was fully in the mindset that she would get out of this canyon at this point and she was not giving up. So something to keep in mind about Moab is that there is a dramatic temperature difference between the day and the night. Um, And it's December, so it's already not the warmest time of year. So if you're dealing with like a comfortable 60 degree day, then you can still be dealing with like a 20 degree nighttime. Um, And that day it was 40 degrees. So you can really just imagine how cold it can actually get that night, which can be deadly, you know? That alone can be deadly. But Danelle continued to pull herself across this rock and sand. And by the time she had made it a quarter mile, it had taken her five hours. Wow. Well, yeah.
0: I have to say, though, if I'm putting money on anyone to get out of a mountain with a shattered pelvis, it's this woman.
1: That That's true. <laughs> She's got
0: to be one of the top contenders. That
1: is definitely, I, I, yeah, I get that. And so the only thing she can do at this point is slightly lift her torso off of the ground and she can roll from her stomach to her back, but she can't really move her legs at this point. She had gotten to a point in the trail where she would have had to go up a rock to then later go back down again. Because like I said, this terrain is pretty rough. It's going up and down, up and down. So she wasn't able to pull herself up this rock. But at this particular point in the rock, there happened to be some melted snow that had pooled in a tiny little divot in the rock. And she only had her one water bottle with her and at that point had finished it. Um, But she knew she needed to hydrate, so she put her face into the puddle and drank the melted snow. Because at this point, she didn't care about parasites or anything. She's just like, I need to hydrate. Right. And it's getting dark. So it was around 5 p.m., and she had crawled a quarter of a mile and it had taken her five hours and she looked in her fanny pack to see if there might be something to help her. And so she found another pack of the raspberry energy gel that she had with her and a shower cap and two ibuprofen. Luckily, she had a light sweatshirt with her as well, so she was able to put that on and she took the two ibuprofen pills to try to help with the pain, but it didn't really do anything. Yeah, it was
0: like two ibuprofen. <laughs> yeah. Maybe for a mild headache. Right. Shattered pelvis, something else.
1: Something else. So it didn't really do anything. Um, and then she put the shower cap on her head, which helped to trap some of the heat and make her keep her warm.
0: So she she had thought of that before. Why would she have used that?
1: Yeah. So as funny as it is, they have shower caps as part of their first aid in adventure races because without it, you know, or cause it, you know, it traps the heat onto your head. So if you're freezing, it'll help you survive hypothermia, you know, for at least for a certain, to a certain extent.
0: So that's a concern during the races though.
1: I don't know if it's necessarily, honestly, I don't know, but like, it, let's say you get into a, a, a Something that happens like this where you're stuck and you can't move and whatever like you don't have a blanket A shower cap is better than nothing and it also weighs nothing and you can fit it in a fanny pack and like that's true It's just one of those things that you can have to like be a little bit more prepared, you know
0: Yeah, that's just interesting. I never would have thought of that.
1: Yeah, I I definitely didn't either but I mean it makes sense so at this point it's fully dark And she couldn't pull herself up the rocks, so she decided to stay where she was for the night and then continue dragging herself out when it's light out. That's her plan. So this is when she finally let her body settle a little bit, which is when the adrenaline wore off. Oh, no. Yeah, so this is when she realized that something was really, really wrong. It became increasingly more painful to even shift her body, but she knew she needed to stay warm, so she did the only thing that she could do, which was head crunches. Um, It was also painful, but it kept her blood moving and made it so she didn't slip into hypothermia and die. So she's just like lifting her head and her neck off of the ground because that'll keep her warm. And that was the only thing she could move. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So, so Taz was still with her and she would talk to him to keep herself occupied. And she would, she tried to have him lay next to her to use his body heat to keep her warm. Um, So he put his chin on her stomach and he looked at her and the temperature dipped into the 20s that night and she laid on her back, freezing, exhausted, and just looked up at the moonless sky. She saw the Milky Way and shooting stars and she said she had never seen so many shooting stars in her life. So it's a beautiful place, but she's going through it. Right. (laughs) You know?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's just, I can't even imagine like you literally... She's probably not sleeping because she's just like, if I go to sleep, I will die. Yeah. I just have to stay up all night. And and do these
1: little head crunches. Do head
0: crunches. Yep. While my pelvis is shattered.
1: Yes. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Is Taz going to be okay? Like, is hypothermia for a dog a concern? Or, like, not really? He just, like...
1: I mean, he he can still... He keeps spinning. Yeah, he keeps (laughs) spinning around like the Tasmanian (laughs) devil. No, he... I mean, he can get up and move around and walk around and stuff. And also, he has fur... So,
0: I mean, yeah, but I just didn't know if like,
1: it's fir, definitely cold.
0: Right. But yeah. if fur helps you out that much in 20 degrees, I don't
1: know. You know, I mean, you know, I don't know,
0: but you know, I don't know. <laughs> you know,
1: <laughs> you know, I don't know. Um, so Taz was at this point was starting to get restless and I'm sure hungry and also thirsty. Cause you know, there's no food out there for him. There's no, there's not really too much water. Um, and, but their bond was very strong. And He's just a little doggy and he's mm-hmm. confused, um, but he stayed by her side for the night. Um, so as she's laying there and thinking about her life and everything, she's thinking about a couple of weeks prior to this accident when Danelle met a man named DC uh, Laprod at a race. And after the race, he approached her in the parking lot and the two hit it off and they started dating shortly after. They had only been on a couple of dates at this point, but Danelle really liked him and she thought a lot about bc and how sad it would be if she died and didn't get an opportunity to know oh him better Oh no. <laughs> yeah
0: do it for bc do it for
1: bc but man
0: really yeah do it for yourself too well that
1: too <laughs> um yeah and she thought a lot about her parents and she recalled a time when she was still in school and had decided to spend all of her money to fly down to hawaii to do an iron man race and her father was like, maybe you should be focusing more of your time on your studies and not spending all your money. But she was like, nah, I'm, I'm going to do this. I want to go <laughs> do this. And so as she's running this race in Hawaii, she spent all, all of her money to get there. She sees that her dad flew down to Hawaii to support her. And so he's there watching her run the race. So her parents were super supportive. And she's just thinking about everything in her life at this point.
0: Wow, that's awesome.
1: Yeah. She thought, she thought about, you know, her supportive family and friends and now she's laying there dying and she couldn't even thank them. So she's just like, everything is, it's, it's a rough emotional roller coaster you know? Um, Yeah, no shit. (laughs) Yeah, that's a bit of an understatement, but you know, but Danelle had the mental toughness to keep going. She kept doing those head crunches and she found a rhythm where she could keep herself warm and not fatigue. But one thing she did notice was her feet were starting to get really cold and had starting to get frostbitten. And she had had frostbite before, so she knew what it felt like. And she's like, this is not good. So that morning, when, you know, first light hit, Danelle saw Taz playing with a stick, which kind of cheered her up a little bit. And she ate one of her energy gels and tried to refill her water bottle water bottle, her <laughs> her water bottle in the small puddle, but the water had frozen over in this tiny oh, puddle. great. Yeah. So she reached over her shoulder and was able to break through it with the cap of her bottle.
0: She, oh, no way. Yeah. I was like, Danelle does not need more problems right now. <laughs>
1: Definitely not. But no, she, she was able to get the water. Uh, she believed that she was going to use the energy from that singular energy gel to drag herself out of the canyon, which... Wishful thinking, Danelle. So she tried to roll over and get her, get on her hands and knees. And as she did that, she absolutely screamed out in pain and felt the pain radiating down her legs and up her back. She didn't know it at the time, but her lower half was completely separated from her upper half. Oh, no. Yeah. Her, no. Her bones had been completely separated. Oh. What? Yeah. So, Excuse me. So internally. Excuse me. You okay?
0: No. No. No, I'm not. I will never I thought, be okay again. <laughs> okay. So, pelvis shattered. mm mm-hmm. shattered. Bottom half separated. Like her literal back has. Yeah. Like so. A Lego.
1: So externally, her skin isn't broken, but internally, her bottom oh, half man. is separated from her upper half. Ooh. Uh, yeah. No. It's not a good no. thought. Yeah uh so whenever she tried to drag herself forward her legs would just stay there because it wasn't connected so they were pretty much dead weight at that point
0: oh my god this is like have you seen like the last scene of the terminator no when he's like dragging oh, himself yes. along yes 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 oh my god it's like it's i mean i guess kind of like that <laughs> i guess so
1: yeah but so Taz licked her face uh, and she lay back down on her back to gather her strength and she just screamed for help, you know, in case anyone could hear her. And when she looked up, Taz had gone. So mentally it was really hard for Danelle to not be able to do anything because she's such a get up and go type person. Right. And so she just lay there and screamed for help, but she realized that nobody knew where she was. She didn't tell anyone where she was going. This isn't pretty normal for her to just, you know, get up and go somewhere. But she was hoping that someone would realize that she was missing, even though it was pretty unlikely because this wasn't unusual for Danelle to be out training. There was really no reason for anybody to be concerned at this point, and she knew that. So that was difficult, you know? But for some reason, Danelle's elderly neighbor, Dorothy Rossingall, was a pretty Quote, "nosy neighbor by her own account and became concerned when she didn't see Donnell's car return home the next day and others in Moab called her a piece of work and a little old lady and the busybody of the neighborhood. <laughs> so luckily Donnell lived right next to her.
0: Well, thank God for Dorothy.
1: <laughs> yeah, and she saw that Donnell had left her drapes open, her lights on and that her laptop was on on like, you know, open and on on the table. So she knew that" danelle was a free spirit and she was could be training or visiting her parents but something just seemed off Hmm. so she called danelle's parents she's she called and she told on danelle which i (laughs) which i find funny but thank god she did and she said something didn't seem quite right she said her lights were on you know all these things her curtains were drawn and it just seemed like she meant to only be gone for a short time but she still wasn't back So her parents were still trying to rationalize. They're like, okay, maybe she went somewhere a little farther away to train. And they called everyone they knew in Moab, but no one had any answers. So at that point, they felt that they had to call and report it. And so the police came to her house and thought that something was off as well. They kind of got that same feeling. And so they put out a four corners alert, meaning that they weren't necessarily looking for Danelle, but they were looking for her truck because they were like, we're going to find her truck. We're going to find her, you know? So at this point, we're going into night two for Janelle, laying in the same spot. And she could feel this huge lump around her midsection, but didn't know what it was. But she was internally bleeding from her pelvis breaking. Oh, God. And most people die from these kinds of injuries somewhere around eight hours, but she was still going. And at this point was around 40 to 50 hours at this point with this injury. Excuse me? She's superhuman is what I'm saying. Well, I know, but five times
0: what average people would die at. And
1: she's not done. And she's not done. She's not done. So she kept doing those crunches to keep herself warm. And she wasn't really able to see clearly at this point. She had thought about how she was happy with the way she was living her life, but she wasn't done yet. She did everything to keep herself awake, you know, including those crunches. But she knew that if she fell asleep, she'd die of hypothermia. So she was just doing that to keep herself awake and obviously keep herself warm. She said she heard a similar voice in her head to what she would experience in an adventure race. Um, She said she heard something like her teammates telling her to wake up and keep going and just keep fighting and, you know, keep pushing forward. And that helped her to continue on. So now we're going into day two of being in that same spot. And when Detective Craig Shumway heard that the police had been working on trying to find Danelle, it stuck out to him because only a short time before this, he had he had wrapped up a case involving Danelle. She had rented out her house but had to kick the tenants out because they were causing problems apparently. And when she did this, they stole her checkbook and the detective was put on the case to find these people about these like, you know, stolen checks. He did and what stuck out to him about this encounter was how kind and polite Danelle had been. So he's like, I like her. I want her found. <laughs> you right. <know>? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> right. But the case of Danelle missing was out of his jurisdiction for some reason. So he wasn't officially on the case, but he felt like he should also go out and try to find her. So he started looking for her truck on his, like on his lunch break. He finished up some paperwork and it was his lunch break. And he's like, I'm going to go out and try to see if I can find this truck. And so he's looking on some trailheads in the area, but when he couldn't find her truck, he decided to drive back to her house. And so he pulled up and sat there for a moment trying to brainstorm where she might be. And that's when he said it kind of just came to him where he thought her car might be. And so he drove down Cane Creek Road to the parking lot of a Mesa Back Trail. And he's not sure why, but he passed the initial parking lot and kept going to the top of the hill to this little spot near the cliff where there's a tiny little parking lot for two or three cars where he found her white Ford Ranger. Whoa, this
0: is some woo woo. <laughs> this some, is the universe. It's right some here. Woo
1: woo shit. Yeah. yeah. It just came to him in a premonition. He found her car. Okay? So there was no cell phone service in this canyon. So he took a picture of her car and he raced out of there to call the police and the search rescue team was called in. They were briefed about a search of 15-mile radius around the Amesa Back Trail, and they were told that Danelle typically would train with her dog, so to keep their eyes peeled for a dog as well. And when her parents got the call that they had finally located her truck, they knew something really terrible had happened. And now they're realizing that the worst-case scenario is very possible. It was the winter, the terrain was extremely rough, and the likelihood that Danelle was still alive was pretty small. But at this point, they found her truck, and they gathered the team and made it out there to start searching. But they only had a few hours of daylight left, so they were all pretty frantic. As Danelle is laying there on the third day, she is also having an internal battle with herself. She she broke through the, the frozen water, filled her bottle, and ate the last raspberry energy gel and just thought to herself that no one was coming. She estimated she couldn't make it more than a few feet an hour and wondered if it was worse to die trying or to die laying next to this little puddle. So she started crawling again. She dragged herself off of the rock and her pants actually came off because she couldn't lift her pelvis off the ground. So she saw the stupidity of this decision and crawled back onto the rock. And the round trip of four feet took two hours. Wow. Yeah. But
0: she literally isn't attached to her legs.
1: Like kind of you know?
0: Yeah. And she's bleeding internally. Yes. And she's been outside in the cold for
1: two days. And has had a puddle's worth of liquid and two energy gels. Yeah. Right.
0: So to say that she's running on E is a little bit of an understatement. Yes.
1: Right. (laughs) She's hyperventilating at this point. She's freaking out because she now felt the ball of clotted blood and swollen flesh moving inside of her.
0: (laughs) Oh, don't like that.
1: Yeah. So... It was 1.30 p.m. And she's thinking to herself, you can't give up. But the other part of her is like, well, you're not going to make it. So you might as well come to terms with that. So she's really like, what? I don't know what to think. But she continued to scream for help and, you know, kept on doing those crunches. And every couple of hours, Danelle would keep rolling herself over and trying to pr- pull herself out of there. But every time she'd do that, she would start hyperventilating again. Her vision would get really blurry and she'd black out. And it never worked, but she kept trying. She thought a lot about her future and the things that she wanted. And I wrote, a queen was manifesting. <laughs> <laughs> so.
0: Yas to to
1: Manifest queen. So she was thinking of that, you know, she had lived a really exciting life, but she wasn't done living it. She, she, there was still so much she wanted to do. She wanted to be a wife. She wanted to be a mother. She wanted to, you know, settle down and she hadn't had a chance to do that. And so she's thinking about all these things and she's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make that happen. And so by mid-afternoon, the Grand County search and rescue team had gathered at the Amesa-back Trail trailhead and were trying to figure out where in the canyon a professional adventure racer could be, which was nearly anywhere. <laughs> right. Right. And a lot of the people on this rescue team knew of Danelle and how tough she actually was. And the fact that she had been missing in this canyon for several days didn't paint a very pretty picture. So every once in a while, Danelle would hear a sound and scream for help, but nothing would ever come of it. So, you know, every every couple hours, she thinks she hears something and she's like, ah, I'm here, I'm here, but nothing ever was actually coming of that. And Taz kept coming and going. She said she felt terrible because she couldn't take care of him. But at the same time, he was all she had. And she said at that point, she, quote, gave him the characteristics of a human and asked him to get help. She said he looked her directly in the eyes as she asked him this. And then he started to run off, but stopped one more time and looked back at her. And she said it was almost like a nod of him saying, OK, I got it. And he ran off. Whoa. Yeah. So this whole story has got this some real woo woo shit. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Which go, I Taz. love. Which I love the woo woo. Okay. So
0: this guy, we had one police officer, like randomly get the thought, like, let's find this super remote parking lot on my lunch break. Right. Finds it. Yep. And we've just communicated with Taz. Yes. That's, let's go. That's let's go. <laughs> let's
1: fucking get it. Okay. So. So the rescuers set out to find Danelle with the belief that they were going to find her alive because it gave them a real sense of urgency. And they knew that out of anyone who could still be alive after something terrible like that, it would be Danelle. Right. So they're like, she's alive and we're going to get her. And not long into their search, they are met by a dog, Taz. Yes, Taz. Taz has come back. Yes. So... Taz just ran through this group of people and wouldn't let anyone look at his tags, and he's just running. He's running in circles. <laughs> he's running. He's, run. he the he's spinning. He's spinning. He's, he's yes. the Tasmanian devil, baby. And so he was running in circles, going a million miles an hour, and John Marshall suspected it was Danelle's dog. And she, he said most dogs wouldn't leave their master as long as their master had a pulse. Uh, so he said to see that dog was a truly saddening sight at that moment.
0: Oh, so um, they think that... Seeing the dog means she's dead, well
1: he does he's like this is not a good sign, but he he just he ran through this group of people and then kept running. He didn't like stop, you know, so about a mile down the dirt road, there was another small foot trail, and one of the rescuers, Melissa Fletcher, was sent that way, and she started driving down this road to get to her trailhead, and as she's driving, she comes across Taz in the middle of the road. And so she stops and she gets out and she's standing in the middle of the road. But as soon as she starts to like walk toward him, he starts running forward again. So she gets back in the car and she starts following him. And this goes on for a couple of times. So she radios the team to tell them that this dog is on the road back to town. And so another one of the rescuers is looking around at uh, at the sand and he spots... Denell's footprints from two days earlier that were also accompanied by dog footprints. So he's like, okay, this is promising. This is something. And so another one of the rescuers is looking in the bottom of the canyon with his binoculars and spots Taz running back from where he came from. He was running toward town, but now he's running back to Denell. So he he... At first, he ran away from Danelle, was running toward town, ran through this group of people, is, like, just going crazy. And then now he's like, wait, turn around, and goes back to... <laughs> goes back to where, like, around where Donnell is. Sure. So he gets a good idea of what area he should be searching in based off of the fact that he saw Taz running in this area. And he tells the other rescuers not to stop Taz, but just to follow him where he wants to go. And Bigo Gerhardt, who was on the rescue team as well gets into his atv and makes it down to where taz was gerhardt had volunteered for the grand county search and rescue squad for 11 years and of the 91 calls that went out to the grand county search and rescue team in 2006 gerhardt responded to 88 of them more than anyone else so he's he's a cool guy you know (laughs) (laughs) Is what i'm trying to say
0: he's head rescuer as far as i'm concerned yeah head bitch in
1: charge (laughs) so when he gets out of the vehicle taz and he made eye contact and taz starts running up some rocks and over like a rise of rocks and he's like okay i'm gonna follow this dog so he follows him over this you know rise of rocks and finds another patch of sand where danelle's footprints are again and that's when taz ran off again but now they had footprints so taz went immediately back to danelle And when he finally made it back to her, he started lapping up the small puddle, which she saw and was like, oh my God, Taz, please don't do that. I need that. And she starts freaking out and this broke her. She said she wasn't angry anymore. Now she was ready to die. She was at peace. So like that was like it for her. She was like, this is it. I'm dead. But then she noticed that Taz's demeanor had changed. And he was wagging his tail, which he hadn't done since the accident. And then Danelle heard a sound that didn't make sense. And she realizes that there's someone around and she starts screaming. And only a few moments later, the man spots Danelle and Taz and yells, I'm here for you. (laughs) And I'm
0: here for you. I'm here
1: for you. (laughs) And Taz starts barking and Danelle is screaming. And Danelle said that this was the very best moment of her life. She said, I'm so glad to see you. And he, <laughs> and he and uh, he said, "I'm so glad you can see me," or something like that.
0: <laughs> like, that's such a that's like a dad joke you would have in passing.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, because he was he was just really shocked that she was as alert as she was. So he was like, "I'm so glad that you can you're you're awake, you know, you're alive." When he first found Danelle, he radioed the team that he had found her, and she was going to need medical attention immediately. So he made it down to where she was and started consoling her and gave her water. And he said that he, they only had a few hours to get a chopper in there to get to get her before the sun went down and asked her what her biggest complaint was. And she tells him that she thinks her pelvis is broken or she thinks her pelvis is broken. And he's like, that is super bad. That's not good. That's super not good. Yeah. What's your biggest complaint right now? <laughs> It's a little hot. Is it the
0: blood clot? <laughs> yeah. Is it that you're separated internally? I'm thirsty. <laughs> Thirst. The, the
1: right. Uh, no, but so he tells her that he has to leave her to help the team find exactly where they are. But he puts his jacket around her and leaves her with a canteen of water and goes off to get the rest of the group but he went back to his ATV and got her a heavy sleeping bag and put her gently in it so she wouldn't be any colder. And so they're all ecstatic that they had found her, but the rescue was far from over. It was starting to get dark and temperatures were already dropping. So they needed to get her out of this very precarious canyon and helicopters need a flat place to land. And this was a very tight canyon and they had literally minutes before they couldn't fly into that canyon because you can't, fly into a like a, a a thin canyon with a lot of like rocks jetting out of places with a helicopter if it's dark out you know like you can't do that okay but
0: what if you had a flashlight
1: a helicopter just thinking sized just flashlight. thinking right, get a lot of them get a get lot a, of get a lot
0: of them get big ones
1: or just push it somewhere <laughs> else no but um so right, we'll scramble the
0: chopper yeah got so minutes. They, had, they had
1: minutes And they made it into the canyon in the very last few minutes of available flight time. And they laid her on the stretcher and started to prepare her to load into the helicopter. But before that happened, Taz came up to her and licked her cheek and laid by her head before she went. And she was worried about Taz, but she told him that everything was going to be okay as they took her away. And as Danelle's parents were driving to Moab, they had received the call that Danelle had been found and was being airlifted to Grand Junction. And they had no idea of the seriousness of Danielle's injuries, but were overjoyed that she was alive. Is it Danelle or Danielle? Danelle. You just said Danielle. I did? Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. Danelle is her name. As soon as they arrive to the hospital, they go to her room where Danelle is awake and alert. And the first thing she says is, I love you, Mom and Dad.
0: Oh, fuck. (laughs) This is the part.
1: To which point I wrote, Cue Alex crying. (laughs) (laughs) No.
0: I can't do it.
1: (laughs) It's fine. So after Grand Junction, they flew her to Denver, where B.C. rushed to the hospital to see her.
0: Oh, B.C. B.C. Uh, Yeah, so... This man's a keeper.
1: Yeah, yeah. So she had gotten frostbite so badly... Uh, They were talking about amputating and that she may never walk again. And she told BC that the doctor said it would be at least a year before she could go back to the trail. And she's like, you know, spewing all this at him. And she's like, I don't know what's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. And he said something along the lines of, I know you just fell off this cliff, but I sure hope we can go on another date. And she was like, (laughs) (laughs) you like that? Okay,
0: that's what you have to say.
1: Yeah. Um, And she said, sure. So <laughs> she's said the feelings were so intense at this point that she felt it was fate. And they were later married.
0: Yeah, they has to be.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is like further in the future, but I just wanted to throw that in right there. They, they got married. So that's great. So let's go to her injuries. So the right part of her body and her lower leg were now not really connected through any part of the bone. And it was pretty floppy was what a doctor said he <laughs> described it as floppy which i, I don't like that word. i also didn't like that word and she definitely couldn't stand on that leg her pelvis had broken in four places and at one spot it splintered into too many pieces for doctors to count she cracked three vertebrae and lost a third of her blood so not good doctors at denver health health medical center had operated on her for six hours inserting a titanium plate into her pelvis and they were able to fix her up with screws and that plate that bridged the left side of her pelvis to the right side. So they put Humpty Dumpty back together again. (laughs) (laughs) And she stayed in the hospital for 15 days, and the first week, her biggest accomplishment was forcing herself to sit up in bed without passing out. Wow. Yeah. But she did everything she could to heal as quickly as possible, and she was determined to get better, to make progress or, and make progress quite quickly. She was in a wheelchair for a couple of months, but had developed a training plan to rush herself through her recovery.
0: <laughs> but this is, like, such a description of who she is.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, the doctor said he knew that there was no keeping her, you know? Yeah, there he was, was no like, stopping her. Yeah. Could you
0: imagine being her physical therapist?
1: <laughs> no. Or
0: did, did they even give her one?
1: Yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah, she like, one. she
0: already... It sounds like she, if she's like a personal trainer, she probably has like that education or schooling. Yeah, she did. So I don't know. I just like imagine the therapist being like, yeah, maybe try this. She's like, okay, I'm going to do double and this, this, and this. Yeah, she's like, no,
1: I got it. I got it. <laughs> but she even signed herself up for another adventure race that was only 150 days after her surgery.
0: <laughs> Ballsy.
1: And she did it. And she, did <laughs> and she did pretty well
0: no fucking way yeah did she place top three
1: i no, she didn't but she did well you know that's and awesome and she did have to go back into the wheelchair after the adventure race because she was so sore but it only took her a couple of months to getting back to living full force so
0: a she, couple months
1: she's incredible yes holy shit yeah um, when Danelle had been out of the wheelchair and was walking again, her mother wanted to go out and see the spot that she was in, like in the canyon. And they got the rescue team together and Danielle and Taz, or Danelle, sorry, I said it again. They got the rescue team together and Danelle and Taz and went out there. And her mother had picked up a bunch of little heart-shaped rocks. Heart-shaped rocks. I couldn't say. Right. It. <laughs> sorry. Yes. I got tongue-tied. Yes. Um, <laughs> and... She put the rocks in the shape of a heart, right where Danelle had been laying.
0: So she got heart-shaped rocks and put them in the shape of a heart. Correct, double heart. Love it.
1: Yeah, and and Taz played a huge role in her rescue. Searching an area that large could have gone on for weeks, but he led them directly to her. Essentially, I mean, you know, he Within did a,
0: hours. Right? Yeah, he
1: did a little like running around, but he he made it. He made them find her. And normally, they don't let dogs into the hospital, but they let him in to see Danelle.
0: Yeah, it was like, we got to make an exception for Taz. Yes, right? and,
1: and they had a very emotional reconnection. Um, they, but after that, they brought Taz back to Danelle's sister house sister's house i'm i'm dying um <laughs> who lived not too far from the hospital in denver and as they got to her sister's house they had opened the front door and taz had ran out of her house jumped the fence and down the road straight back to the hospital
0: he ran to the hospital
1: yes he jumped a fence <laughs> and ran through the hospital
0: there's a, there's no containing no taz no There's none.
1: He is his own dog, you know what I mean?
0: Do you know how high the fence was?
1: I have no idea, but he jumped a fence. That's pretty, (laughs) it's a a fence, you know? It's not a tiny one. And they had to turn him away. Unfortunately, they couldn't let him back into the hospital, but just still a crazy story.
0: Could you imagine? It's just like this dog (laughs) like does anyone own (laughs) where's the owner yeah it's like oh it's taz (laughs) it's taz
1: and she said every time she looks at taz she's reminded of that day and their bond and how she got a second chance at life thanks to him so today danelle is married to bc and has two young sons uh the couple owns milt's stop and eat drive-in diner in moab utah And Danelle says she loves her kids so much and feels so lucky to have them. And every time she stops and thinks about it, she cries. She said it was very much worth the fight. And Taz is still kicking, at least as far as the article that I read that was from like 2016. She, at that time, he was in good health and they would go on walks every day and he, but he no longer ran with her at that point. She said he's not only her hero, but her best friend. And Donnell still gets in quite a few races every year and organized the Moab Trail Marathon. And she set the race up right through the canyon where she had her accident. Wow. Yeah. <laughs>
0: this is a just a uh, fuck you to nature. I guess so. She's like, I'm going to run right back.
1: Going to keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So a few of the people who were on the rescue team still do the backcountry medical support for these races and have their aid station at the very spot where Danelle laid for three days. Wow. Yeah. Today she's pain free, healthy, and happy. Wow.
0: The the fact that she, number one, is pain free mm-hmm. at all mm-hmm. and fully recovered. Mm-hmm. Two, only took two months to recover. And three, ran an adventure marathon after.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it took a little more than two months
0: to get to the adventure marathon, but oh, it's yeah. still, it still was 150 days away, right?
1: Or it was 150 days after her surgery was the race.
0: Semantics. It's yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. who cares? Still, not that much <laughs> it's like time. Less, that's. How many months is that? Less than four? Wait. Right? No, math. No. Math. Five. Math math less than six.
1: <laughs> less than six. But it's a short period of time. A short period of time. That's what we're saying. Yes. Yeah. But uh <clears throat> the doctor said that she was going to have at least a year where she wasn't going to walk. And she was like, nah. She's like, Yeah, no. She's like, that's funny. That's
0: that's nice. <laughs> that's it's nice cute. that you think that.
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> really cute you think that. That's funny. Um, yeah, but that that is the story of Danelle Balangie. Amazing. Amazing. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just... So, like,
0: I still can't wrap my head around people who do the amount of races that she... Or the types of races that she does. Yeah. Let alone how many she's done. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. But, I mean, that certainly is probably what saved her. You were saying that most people, ble- like, die from internal bleeding like that after eight hours. And yep. she was there for three days. Three days yep and didn't sleep and was doing crunches the whole time yep and then like intermittently like flipping over to try and drag herself out of the skin <laughs> yes yeah i wondered if she did did she do any more damage by trying to do that
1: i mean i not that i know of i i don't am probably i don't know
0: yeah i am mean, really glad that obviously she made it but i wonder if that like actually didn't help her case but i mean like what can you do if you don't think anyone's gonna come
1: for sure and also it didn't it clearly didn't leave any like severe lasting damage you know because she's continuing to run races and is you know thriving true
0: yeah i just um (laughs) i just can't imagine having part of me disconnected. No. In in that way.
1: Yeah. I, yeah, I don't, I I, like, I I read the words and I wrote it in my notes and I talked about it, but I don't think I ever actually like really thought about what that means. Yeah. No, thanks. I think I'm just going to keep the surface level understanding of what that means. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And then there's the woo woo aspect of this story, which I really enjoy.
1: (laughs) Me too. Yeah.
0: Do, do the doctors say
1: like how much longer she would have had? I mean, not that I, not that I saw. But um, she said that she believed that she only would have lasted a couple more hours. Wow. Yeah. yeah. She, she Like, if they couldn't get her out that night, she very easily could have died. Yeah. You know, because she had been internally bleeding at that point for three days.
0: Right. And then um, at the hospital, they were, like, talking about amputation. Mm-hmm. Did she just reject that outright?
1: I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Because, well, well, one, she was frostbitten. And two, right. her, her bottom half was disconnected from her top half. So they were like, yeah, it might be, might be amputation. But I mean, I'm, I'm, they, they were able to save it, you know? So she did the damn thing. She really did. And I mean, it wasn't an easy road to recovery. She definitely fought hard and like did the damn thing. Absolutely. But, but she, she did it, you know? Yeah. So that's her story. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And I, can we just give a a moment for Taz?
0: Yes. Moment for Taz, for sure.
1: The goodest boy oh my god I love dogs so much
0: yeah this is a great story for you yeah
1: yeah it was fun I feel yeah. like this is one that you can say is fun obviously terrible but fun kinda
0: yeah yeah as fun oh. as you, I guess you can be oh, big motorcycle, motorcycle. <laughs> um so yeah moral of the story this week is just don't tell Danelle that she can't do something oh yeah
1: <laughs> that's true that's true and don't slip on ice yeah that too all right but anyway um, what's your good thing
0: you go first. Okay. Oh, wait, my-, Duh. Duh. my good thing this week is it is my birthday. Yeah, <laughs> that's
1: a super good thing. And my good thing is that um, our friend Lauren is staying with us for a couple days. And Ooh, shout out, Lauren. I'm so excited. I haven't seen her Woo. in so long. And she used to be our roommate and I miss her so much. And she's going to yes. be with us for a couple days. Woo. So we'll get to like actually have a little a little tiny Fun. baby yes. celebration for baby your birthday, which is exciting. And that is my good thing. <laughs> Yes. Anyway, if you guys would like to follow us on Instagram and keep up with all the pictures of the cases that we talk about, follow us at not Today underscore podcast. If you have a story, send it to me at nottodaypodcast at gmail.com. Please. Follow us. Please. Follow us on TikTok at nottodaypodcast. Follow us on Twitter at nottodaypodcast with a T on it. On the end of podcast is a three. Because that makes sense. Because that makes sense. And just keep breathing. Yeah. Yeah.